0: Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, attorney Bob Bergman.
1: Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is Bob Bergman here broadcasting from my office in San Jose in the Cambrian Park area. If you're familiar with San Jose, my office is on Ross Avenue near Hillsdale across the street from the Target Um, In the shopping center where the Target store is there in Cambrian Park. Um, I'm going to be covering um, a lot of different things today, but first of all, I wanted to let you know that if you'd like to call in and ask me any kind of question on the air, it's 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. If you'd like to... uh, not call in, but you have a question you'd like me to talk about on the air, you can email me at radio, that's R-I-D-I-O, radio at lawbob.com, and I can actually uh, retrieve those messages while I'm on the air and answer questions for you there if that is preferable for you. So either 800-516-1220 or radio at lawbob.com. Either one of those will will get to me while I'm on the show today. I do have um, two Living Trust seminars tomorrow in my office. One starts at 9 o'clock. The other one starts at 12 o'clock noon. I do have a few spaces available in each one of those seminars. I can't take more than 15 people in a seminar because of space limitations in my office, But if you've been wanting to find out more about living trust planning, why we do living trust planning, what the downside is if you have sufficient assets and you don't do planning to avoid probate and conservatorship and things like that, this is the seminar for you. I've been doing a living trust seminar and variations of it for probably, let me think here, probably well over 30 years, and I find it to be one of the most effective And efficient ways for me to communicate to a lot of different people at the same time but also for people to come and get a lot of great and useful information all packed together at the same time Uh, in my seminar I, I have a PowerPoint I've developed and enhanced over the years everyone attending gets a complete set of the slides so that you can actually take notes during um, the seminar, uh, write down questions you may have, things like that. I also provide a free copy of my consumer guide, uh, my California Consumer Guide to Will's Living Trust and Estate Planning, which is uh, a document that I first created about a decade ago. And I keep updating and refining it. It's quite long and it covers a lot of great information. You can go to my website at lawbob com, L E W B O B dot com, L-E-W-B-O-B.com, and you can actually click through and request a copy of my consumer guide and um and it will be um, uh, the download will be made available to you once you make that request. So if you'd like to come to the seminar you can go to lawbob.com, follow the links for the Living Trust seminar, uh, or you can go to uh you can register that way. Or you can go to eventbright.com and search for Living Trust Seminar San Jose uh, for August 10th, which is, of course, tomorrow. And like I said, I have a few spaces left in both of my seminars. One starting at 9 o'clock for those of you who like to get up and get out and do things early. And then another one for starting at noon for those of you who have family obligations or you just like to sleep in on Saturday. So I'm going to continue on today with more questions and comments from around the state of California. These are actual questions by actual people. These are not made up. I'm sure there's people wonder sometimes, Bob, do you just make up these fact situations and so you, you can talk about them? The answer is no. These are real situations that real people are facing in the real or unreal state of California and from all over the state. For example, here is a question out of Sacramento. Can a beneficiary of a family trust remove the executor? Let me start first by saying, I think what the person means, but they don't realize it, is the trustee. An executor is a person named in somebody's will and appointed by the probate court, to handle that person's estate after they have died. If the person has a trust, the person in charge is called the trustee or successor trustee if they're taking over after an original trustee has died, resigned, or become incapacitated. In this case, and this is a common situation, the trustee who's also a beneficiary will not communicate with the other beneficiaries. Uh, He's failed to attend to affairs of the trust and seems reluctant and or incompetent to do so. This is the classic reason why you might have to go to court to have a trustee removed. If this beneficiary, presumably a sibling, is either unwilling or unable to do their job, refuses to communicate with the other beneficiaries, which, by the way, is a requirement of law, When you're acting as a trustee that you keep the beneficiaries informed that you communicate with them that you let them know what you're doing and in this case if this person doesn't want to be the trustee well they can probably resign and the trust probably provides for someone else to take over and handle things if it doesn't then the family may have to go to court to have the uh, have the court appoint a trustee to take over and handle things But in any event, if the trustee of a trust who's just not doing his or her job refuses to resign, then the beneficiaries, the other beneficiaries, have really no other recourse but to go to court and ask that the court remove that person as the trustee. As part of that process, they would also let the court know who they want appointed as the trustee. So um, that's what this family is probably looking at. If they have a sibling acting as the trustee, that's not really getting the job done. Now, here's out of Los Angeles. Someone was told by one attorney that a trust is its own entity for tax purposes. That would be income tax purposes. But another attorney said a trust isn't a separate legal entity. And then the person goes, huh? (laughs) It's like, yeah, I would say, huh? If so, if I had two different attorneys give me exact opposite opinions, well, here's the problem, or here I think I can solve this. The first attorney who said that a trust is its own entity for tax purposes is referring to an irrevocable trust, an irrevocable trust that cannot be changed by the person who created it is in fact a separate tax entity and would have a tax identification number, uh, kind of the corporate and tax equivalent of a Social Security number, and it would have that, and it would be having earnings and distributions and it would be reporting that on its own tax return. But a revocable trust, or like a revocable living trust, typically uses the Social Security number of one of the grantors or creators of the trust, trustor, settlor, grantor, pretty much means all the same thing. And there, it is not a separate legal entity. It's treated as just a different way that property is being owned by the person that created the trust. So an irrevocable trust is a separate tax entity, and it has its own tax ID, files its own tax return every year. A revocable trust is not a separate tax entity, and all income and losses and everything are reported on the personal tax return of the grantor or trustor of the trust. So we're coming up on the first break. After the break, we'll continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. This is attorney Bob Bergman, and I'll talk with you after the break.
0: This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW.
1: Hi, welcome back. I'm going to continue on with some more uh, questions and comments from around the state of California. But um, I want to also let you all know, uh, you may have heard last week that I'm going to be uh, broadcasting live from The Money Show in San Francisco next Friday afternoon. Uh, My understanding is that the tickets to The Money Show are free. There are some seminars and presentations during this three-day conference that you have to pay to get into, but the overall show is free. It's at the Hilton Hotel um, that's in Union Square, or the Union Square Hotel. As I recall, it's a couple blocks, like a block or two down from uh, Union Square, but it's the Hilton there. And I will be uh, broadcasting my usual time from 2 to 3, but I'll be live at the show. I'm going to have uh, Keith Koo, who is from the Silicon Valley Insider, which is the show immediately preceding mine on Friday afternoons. Uh, He's going to be coming on the show for at least a couple of segments, maybe for the entire show And we're going to be talking about uh, issues related to what are some of the things you have to do when a family member passes away? What are some of the issues that come up? What are um, how you can avoid certain things by planning in advance? But just all those kinds of things that swirl around um, uh, when you lose a family member or someone else that's close to you and you're involved in settling or winding up their affairs. So that's going to be next Friday. Um, Those of you, if you've been to my website, you can at least see what I look like. I will say I'm one of those attorneys, I believe in truth in advertising. And the picture you see of me on the website is how I actually look. I don't use a picture from when I graduated from college or high school. Um, And those attorneys that do things like that, you know who you are. Uh, but uh, if you're interested in actually seeing me live, broadcast live, I will be at the Money Show at the um, the Hilton in San Francisco, the Union Square Hilton. And uh, there will be other of the KDOW hosts that will also be broadcasting live, uh, at least three others, including uh, Keith Koo before me. And my understanding is Rob Black, the financial guy, we'll be coming on and doing a show starting at the three o'clock hour. So if you would like to come up, see me and then maybe after my show, if you'd like to meet me or, and maybe have a question or two answered, I will make myself available. They have apparently a room you can go to and have a little privacy and talk about things. So please do, if you're a fan, even if you're not a fan, if you want to come and throw rotten tomatoes at me, please don't because, um, because it it kind of messes up the show a little bit. But feel free to come out and see me, because I'd um, love that. By the way, I find that a lot of people come to my seminars who listen to the show, and um, I mentioned before I have two of my seminars tomorrow, starting at 9 o'clock and 12 o'clock at my office here in San Jose. You can find a way to register at eventbrite.com. Look for the Living Trust Seminar on August 10th or go to my website, lawbob.com, follow the links for the seminars, and I have direct registration links for the seminars right there that will take you straight to Eventbrite. I also have put two new seminars up for Saturday, September 7th. If tomorrow doesn't work for you, I will be doing a 9 o'clock and 12 o'clock seminar on Saturday, September 7th, and those are up. You can register for those right now. Uh, I already have one registration for the 12 o'clock one on the seventh, and I'm anticipating that those will likely fill up, like my seminars usually do. So if you want to reserve your spot, register early, but don't register often. Only register one time, because if you register a second time, I've had people do that. It takes away spaces, available spaces for someone else who may want to come, and uh, and enjoy. Uh, enjoy uh, my presentation, enjoy meeting me in person and finding out that I'm exactly the same person in person as I am on the radio. Uh, even though I can do the radio voice if I need to. Yeah, I know that sounded kind of weird, didn't it? Um, this is my normal speaking voice. And uh, <laughs> that's what you get when you tune in to listen to me here. So let's go back uh back to some questions and comments. So I'm going to cover this one here. This appears to be an elder financial abuse situation. This person said, my uncle's a senior citizen who has health conditions, suffered a heart attack, ended up hospitalized. While this happened, my aunt used the opportunity to capitalize on his assets. She took over as his caretaker, trusting the family, uh, the trusting family agreed to the idea but after she was in charge, she, um, when she got in this position, she cut off all communication with family members and my uncle. She's isolated my uncle, manipulated him into thinking that none of his family wants to talk to him. Also, she's moved her older kids into a property without my uncle's permission. To distract him, she uses alcohol and women to seduce him and make him forget about his assets. This almost sounds like one of those, uh, one of those lifetime movies or something like that. Um, but this is what it says: I have good information proving this is all going on. This consists of pictures, old bank records, fake notary stamps, and statements from family members. What's the best step to take for me to prove this and make sure my aunt doesn't get away with this? Well, what we're talking about is elder financial abuse. It's actually a crime here in California. It's investigated by the adult Adult Protective Services Department, typically in the district attorney's office. Every county has one. And in a case like this, if you have concerns like this, you can contact APS, Adult Protective Services, let them know what your concerns are, I believe you can do it anonymously as well. And then they will conduct an investigation. They'll go talk, in this case, with the uncle. They'll talk with the aunt. They'll talk with people around them. They'll talk with the other people who may have information. And if they make a determination that the aunt is taking advantage of the uncle and is abusing him financially, all those things, then the aunt will likely be removed as the caretaker and could also be facing some serious legal problems with the district attorney's office. This is a very serious thing. Uh, unfortunately, most elder financial abuse in the state of California appears to be perpetrated by family members taking advantage of another family member. Some of it is perpetrated by caretakers. People who just move into a person's life and take over and then start using their money, using their property, basically stealing from them. It's a very serious matter, and that's pretty much what uh, should be done, conduct, rather contact, Adult Protective Services. So I'm coming up on the mid-show break now. Uh, You can call 800-516-1220 if you'd like to talk with me on the show. But until we come back after the break, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, and I'll get back and talk with you after the break.
0: Back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman.
1: Hi, welcome back. So I'm going to continue on in the second half of the show uh, with more questions and comments from around the state of California. I, I know that um, I've been doing this for just over a year now, and I've found that a number of these um, situations I've covered on the air have actually struck a chord with people who are listening I, I've had people contact me and say that situation to describe that's exactly what we're dealing with right now as a family, or we experienced that five years ago when my dad died that's that's just what we went through and I find uh, also sometimes when i when I talk about um, the steps that I take as an attorney to get Property into somebody's trust after they have died uh property that was not uh actually owned by the trust at death uh we have to go to court doing what's called a hegstat petition um, that actually triggers people because they listen and they go, "Oh my gosh, my dad just died, and we found out that his house was not properly titled into his trust, it was never transferred, and we want we need to be able to sell the property as soon as possible but but we're being told that uh, no, you're we're we're going to have to uh, petition the court, and where we're at, it's going to be two, three, four, five, six months to get in there and actually get title cleared into the trust. Uh, I want to tell you right now that if everybody involved with the trust, all the beneficiaries agree, it's possible for me to go to a particular court and actually get that taken care of. In a week. And not several months. Um, I have a whole website that talks about that. It's hegstathelp.com. Hegstat is spelled H-E-G-G-S-T-A-D. And then the word help. dot pcom All one word. hegstathelp.com. That's where I talk about this situation. And the way that I can actually solve problems like that. So... If you're facing a situation like that right now, consider going to hegstadhelp.com or just shoot me an email at radio@lawbob.com at and uh, we can start a conversation about how I might be able to help you and your family out of that situation. <clears throat> okay, so here's someone out of San Isidro said um, I need to remove my husband's name from the house title. He passed away with no will and no living trust. The deed has both our names and it is community property. And I assume the person means the title says as community property on the deed. I already filled out the affidavit of surviving spouse and it's been recorded with the county clerk. What other forms do I need to fill out to have his name removed? I need to refinance the house because it's a variable loan i'd like to get a fixed rate loan also it's in both of our names well there's no other form to file filing that affidavit of surviving spouse actually legally acts to remove her husband's name from the title of the property so there's not something to nothing, nothing else to have it removed that document removes it so if a title company or a lender looks at the history of the title of the property, they'll see that now it is solely in her name and her husband's name no longer shows up as an owner of the property because it was removed by that affidavit. Now, here's someone out of Thousand Oaks, and, and I know this is a situation that comes up fairly frequently as well. This person is um, on medi And gets food stamps. And those are both needs-based programs. In other words, you have to have little or no assets that are yours in your name in order to qualify to get Medi-Cal for your health insurance, food stamps for food, and SSI for supplemental security income, all those kinds of things. This person lives here in California. Their parent just died. The parent's trust is now irrevocable and the person is the trustee so being the trustee of the trust is not an issue with those benefits because just being the trustee of a trust doesn't mean that you directly own as your own the property in that trust but if this person is the beneficiary of the trust then there's an issue and in this case yes the trustee is getting government assistance is to receive $120,000. And the question is, how can I maintain my Medi-Cal and my food stamp benefits if I'm getting $120,000? Well, here's the deal. Here in California, it's possible for this person to go to court and have what's called a um, first-party special needs trust created through the court. The special needs trust would provide that the money, the inheritance can be put into that trust. Uh, It's not to be um, taken from them or used to repay benefits that were already received. Um, They can continue on their benefits, but when this person dies, then the government will have the first claim to be repaid for monies paid out for food stamps, Medi-Cal, things like that to this person. Anything left over, if there is anything left over, can then be distributed to whomever the person uh, wishes it to go to. This will work if this person is mentally competent. Um, they can act on their own behalf. The law changed recently permitting uh, permitting this. It used to be it had to be uh, certain classes of relatives Setting up a trust like this for you, even if you were mentally competent, but maybe physically not competent or physically not able to to work. Um, So, yes, a trust can be set up through the court to receive that inheritance. That's the good news. You won't lose your benefits if you do this. The bad news is that when you pass away, uh, the government gets paid back everything that was paid out on your benefit or for your benefit. And it comes out of that inheritance, whatever's left of it. So <clears throat> it's kind of like uh, the payback is deferred until you die. But that's a lot better than losing all your benefits, having to spend all this money, and then reapplying for benefits and having downtime where you have lost your benefits. So here, this is a, an interesting situation. This does come come up now and then. It says mom changed her trust in California. Plus, had a separate lawyer write a letter um, of her having a sound state of mind. My three siblings want to contest mom's um, mom's trust. Mom died in June of this year. Uh, let's see. So previously, the trust was divided four ways. But after I cared for my mother by myself for four years... When she had stage four ovarian cancer, she became disgusted by her other children and granddaughter and changed her trust. I've lived with my own mother for 10 years. We were best friends. I had my own career. Mom was always very generous. Under the burden of first caring for my father, who died of cancer, three months before my mother was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, my own health suffered greatly. I've not been able to work and have been ill now for months. Well, I think the real issue is here, three siblings want to contest. I think what probably happened here was mom changed her trust with her existing lawyer. And then that lawyer, because of this major change, leaving everything to the one daughter and nothing to the other children, that attorney probably referred mom to another attorney for that attorney to do what's called a certificate of independent review. That means the other attorney talked with mom, interviewed mom, and then based on that issued a statement backing up that that attorney believed that mom knew exactly what she was doing. She was not being unduly influenced by the daughter that took care of her for four years and that um, she had good and valid reasons for making these changes Now, I've done a few of those myself over the years. Uh, I have local counsel here in San Jose. When I need that done, I use him to do the independent review with my client, and he uses me. We do that because we are both board-certified specialists in estate planning trust and probate law. We are both well-known in the Valley here. Uh, We have well-established practices, and our idea is that If this is what someone really wants to do, we are going to back it up by having two certified specialist attorneys say, yes, this is copacetic. This is what the person wanted to do. It's something that is uh, pretty much always required if there's a caregiver who is not a family member. In this case, it looks like it was an extra set of caution, which I would probably recommend if there was a concern about Uh, the other children making a fuss. So in this situation, if that's what was done, the three children suing to try to change it or overturn the last amendment by the mother, they're going to have a very tough uphill climb getting a court to see that somehow there was undue influence or or mom really had no business making those changes. If you have two attorneys that, that reviewed one drafted longtime attorney, another one who did an independent review. It's going to be virtually impossible to overcome that uh, by the the other children suing. So we're coming up on the third break of the show. Um, I'll be back after the break. You can always call in the last segment, 800-516-1220, if you'd like to talk with me on the air. Otherwise, we'll be back after the break. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, Plan Your Estate Radio. Talk with you then.
0: Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning, trust, and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman.
1: Hi, welcome back. So we're in the last segment of the show today, and uh, I wanted to get like one more quick reminder that I do have two seminars tomorrow in my office at 9 o'clock and 12 o'clock noon, the Living Trust Seminar. You can go to eventbrite.com and look for the Living Trust Seminar for August 10th and you'll see it there or you can visit my website at lawbob.com and register through there so uh, uh, on the break I actually noticed I got an email back from one of the reminders that was sent out and there's a couple that told me they're very excited to come in and talk with me apparently they've got issues with uh, trust with both of their families and uh, and their families are, are here but they're Originally from other parts of the world, and I deal with a lot of clients in my client base being here in the, in uh, Santa Clara county uh, a lot of my clients are actually from other parts of the world uh they have different experiences there, they have different maybe approaches to what they think is appropriate or not appropriate in planning and uh what I've learned over the years is that um uh, over the years is that it is it is very essential that you have a planner you're working with that is sensitive to that and understands that, understands that, that uh, different cultures have different approaches to things and that things um, here in the United States aren't necessarily immediately obvious to someone just because they live here now. And even if they've lived here a number of years, it may not be obvious. So, um, I pride myself on the fact that I do have an international clientele in my estate practice. Um, I have clients from pretty much every continent with the exception of Antarctica. And I guess now the Arctic is considered a continent now, too, if I was reading that correctly a few months ago. So I don't have anybody from Antarctica or the Arctic, but I do have clients from every other continent uh, here in the world. And I think that maybe positions me in many ways to be um, more accessible as an estate planning attorney because I do have that broad range of uh, backgrounds of my clients. And uh, I love that because I love learning about other countries, learning about different cultures, too, just in the context of sorting through estate planning and the needs of a family. So um, moving on, we're in the last segment of the show. If anyone would like to call, we might have time for one question, 800-516-1220. But barring anybody calling in, I'm going to continue on here. Um, Here is someone that wanted to know if they could contest a trust where where the beneficiary of some annuities is kind of confused here. It says, my mother was beneficiary to two annuities that were owned by her boyfriend of 12 years. They were created 12 years ago when he was healthy and had all his cognitive skills. My mother was to receive this gift if he died before she did, and if she died first, then it goes to his family. His son became trustee of the trust when his father was diagnosed with dementia. He then passed away, and when my mother inquired about these annuities, the beneficiary had been changed. My mother was not told. They let her find out through the bank. Does she have any recourse? Well, this is not so much a trust question as if the beneficiaries were changed on these annuities and and she understood all these years that it was supposed to go to him. The question is, was paperwork filled out changing the beneficiaries of the annuities? And if so, who filled out the paperwork if the father signed Did he sign at a time when he lacked the legal capacity to make that change? In other words, was he so demented with dementia that he was now incapacitated? It sounds like it because his son took over as the trustee of his trust, which implies the father was now incapable of making changes to anything. If the son filled out the paperwork and took it and said, here, dad, sign here, and the father just signed it without having the capacity to make that change, then the mother may have recourse. But proving that is the tough thing. I think if if uh, they could find out when the change was made, if it was made after the dementia diagnosis, then I think a decent case could be made in court that that change was not valid and could be overturned by a court as being um, done Contrary to law, really. So, I only have a couple minutes left on the show today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, I I always try to be both informative and entertaining on my on my shows as well in, as my live seminars. Uh, if you can't attend one of my live seminars, but you still want to learn about living trusts, I have an older version of my living trust seminar that you can find at my YouTube channel. The law offices of Robert P. Bergman. If you look there, or just go to YouTube, type in "the Living Trust Seminar," and my seminar will show up at the very top of the organic listings. You can then watch it, um, and then if you're interested, you can. There's links there where you can come through and actually uh, and actually uh, contact me for a consultation, something like that. It has, I think, over forty-five or 46,000 views, so it's gotten pretty popular um, over the last four or five years. So we're going to wind it up for today. Remember, next Friday I'm at the Money Show in San Francisco at the Hilton Union Square, and I hope to see some of you out there. It's going to be a blast broadcasting live at a big convention. So until next Friday, this is Attorney Bob Bergman, Plan Your State Radio. Hope to see you at the show next week. Bye-bye.
0: You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio.